You're about to listen to a message from the LifePoint Church, a warm and friendly home for the young at heart. So, um, we'll just go right into God's Word. We have been talking, how was Sunday last week? How was time out with Tim Godfrey, right? I wasn't here, but I haven't stopped getting feedback as to the amazing time life point we had at um, we think with the ministry of in the with the ministry of Tim Godfrey. So we thank God so much for for that. Um, but today we continue with the series um, "People of Influence." And two weeks ago, Pastor Busola brought us an amazing word titled "What Is Your Crazy?" Right? What is your crazy? And today we would continue. Um, we will build and build on that a bit some more and trust God to um, tell us what he has in his heart for us. But I wanted to recap a few things, you know, as we talk about, you know, what is your crazy and talk about the fact that we are called to be people of influence. Because, you know, the truth of the matter is that every day God calls us to be people of influence in our areas of gifting, in our areas of calling. He calls us to be people who would you know, be able, what is influence? I mean, if we want to define influence, influence is pretty much the capacity to influence or the capacity to, or is the, is the how will I put it, is the effect or capacity you have to drive someone to a particular outcome. That is what influence simply, you know, is. And we're saying as children of God, as people of light, we have that capacity and ability to be influencers in our world and in our generation. But you see, influence would, would show forth in brilliant ways when we walk in our area of gifting and in our area of calling. And I thought that, you know, one of the reasons why we started talking about influence right after the t- series on temperaments is to underscore this fact that in your area of calling and in your area of gifting, you are influential. And influence doesn't respect age. It doesn't respect your societal status. It doesn't respect um, um, how you look and what you wear. That, 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 you know, influence is not, is, not, is, not, is not premised on that. And that was, you know, one of the things Pastor Busola kept, you know, rehashing two weeks ago when she walked us through how, what is your crazy, what is your crazy, you know, because she reminded us of a video we had seen in LifePoint Church about a young Indian boy who would influence adults and influence people sometimes ten, five, ten years older than he was. Ten times his age, sometimes, in, in some instances, to undertake a course of action that would g- deliver to them the result that they were expecting. We saw that video when Fela Dorotoye came. Just to underscore the fact that influence is not premised on your age or your societal status. And that is why Paul, in talking to his young mentee, Timothy, in 1 Timothy 4.12, he would tell Timothy, let no man despise your youth. But be an example of the believer in word, in conversation, in charity, in spirit, in faith, and in purity. 1 Timothy 4.12. Paul talking to his mentee. If there's anything, he says, Timothy, you are talented, Timothy. You are brilliant, Timothy. The kind of God is upon your life. But if there's anything I want you to know, I want you to know that do not allow anyone despise your youth. For Paul to give Timothy that instruction, it, it means that there was that propensity for that to happen. Another version would say, do not look down. Timothy, don't allow anyone look down on your youth. So the question I want to ask us as I try to recap you know, the message Pastor Busola brought to us two weeks ago is, what are you looking down on? What about your life are you despising? Are you looking down on or allowing others to look down on? What about your life are you looking down on? What are you letting yourself or someone else despise? Because the giftings and the callings of God upon our lives, you know, when you look at them and call them small, you make the biggest mistake. Because scripture would describe a scenario when Jesus had gone out preaching. He had gone out with the disciples. And the crowd was hungry. And there was nothing to feed them with. And then a young boy will come with five loaves of bread and two fish. And Jesus will say, that's enough. Of course, his disciples didn't think, what are we going to do? How are we going to feed thousands with five loaves of bread and two fish? But for Jesus, that was enough. So don't call small what God has deposited in your life. 
Because that five loaves of bread and two fish would feed, ten, would feed thousands and then there would still be remnants. So what is, on your, what is on your life, in your life, that you are calling small? What are you calling small? It is not about the number of talents. It's about what you do with what God has given you. I may not have the voice of um, Afolabi, you know, but everyone has something. Because for everyone God would make and design and unleash to the world, engraved in your DNA, is, is that unique something. Is that unique something through which you can be an influence? So when you find that, when you find you're crazy, when you find that thing is, that is unique to you, that is your unique identifier, you don't hide it. Instead, you'll be extra about it. You'll be extra about it. Scripture will describe a parable of someone lighting a lamp and putting it under a bushel. That is what we do when we take the calling and gifting upon our lives and we try to hide it. When he would tell us the parable of the talents, it wasn't about the number of talents. The man traveled to someone he gave five. He gave another one two. And he gave another one what? One. When he came back and asked them to give account, he wasn't asking, why did I give you five as against two? Is the person with five more important than the one with two? No. What did he ask? What have you done? What have you done with the one? What have you done with the two? What have you done with the five? that I have given you. So as we talk about influence and we talk about our ability to, to be a change agent in this world that we've been put in, remember that you are unique. Remember that there's something about you. I know of a lady who through just wrapping gifts, has wrapped gifts and, and, and made boxes for, 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 for celebrities. Don't call small what God has put on your life. Don't call small what God has put on your life. Find your crazy. And when you find it, be extra. Be extra. If yours is that you dance so well, you do the K-leg, whatever it is, be extra about it. Sharpen your skill. Grow it. Magnify it. And use it to God's glory. Praise God. Now, another, you know, reflection I had as I thought about finding your crazy, you know, two weeks ago, was that influence increases as we fire up that gift of God that is on our inside. Influence really does increase. And I said, find the extra about it. And how does influence increase? You know, there's time in the quiet place that we cannot ignore. There's time with God that we cannot, we cannot treat as unimportant. We need to find those quiet moments. Martin Luther would say that I have so much to do. And because I have so much to do, I need to spend the first three hours of my life in prayer. Because in that moment of prayer and engaging with your designer, there's an exchange. Because sometimes you know what he's called you to do, but fear won't allow you to move. But in that moment of communication, in that quiet place, there is an exchange, an exchange of ideas. Of ideas. God is infusing your heart with his ideas. The ideas that he had in mind when he fashioned you. God is exchanging fear for faith. God is powering you up on the inside. So when we think about influence and think about the great things God has put on your life, they would actually catch fire in the presence of God and the Holy Spirit. Think again about Peter. In Matthew, when Peter was, when, when we read through, the, through the Gospels, when Jesus was about to go to the cross, Peter would meet a young girl who said, oh, you look like one of those persons who you know, hung around Jesus. You look like one of his disciples. And Peter would, would deny flat. Ah, I, I don't know him. Ah, no, I don't know him. And this is the same Peter that Jesus has said, you are a rock. And on this rock, I would what, build my church. But it was almost like a car with potential that hadn't started until Peter encountered the Holy Spirit. When the Holy Spirit would come upon Peter and the disciples in Acts 2, this same Peter that we saw, fearful, timid, afraid, became bold, became audacious, truly stepped into his potential as a rock. And so as I just recap the message of two weeks ago, I'm calling on someone to find that quiet place. Find that place where you exchange, when you commune with God, when you lay down your fears and pick up faith, when you come into a full understanding of who and how and what has made you and called you to be. Praise the Lord. So that said, we step into the 
core of today's message, which is character. Because as people of influence, what are the ingredients that would help us be, 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 be all God has called us to be? And when we think about influence, it's very easy to connect with charisma. And this, is, this message isn't to tell you charisma isn't important. It is. Charisma is you know, defined as a charm, as the ability to connect with people. Our, our Lord Jesus was a charismatic personality. But in addition to character, to charisma, I've come to introduce to us its senior brother. That senior brother is what? Character. 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 Because character guarantees your longevity. We all want to be people of influence here. We are, at, you know, I, I, it's not lost on me that we are all, most people here at stages where you're building careers, you're building a business, you know, you want to outshine, you want to beat your competitor, you want to be the best in your company, you want to be CEO material, you want, you know, and those expectations and desires and goals are good. God also wants you to succeed. But it's important that at this time, we also remember an ingredient of success that is critical. And that ingredient is what? Character. So in addition to your charisma, please add character. And we'll talk a bit, you know, and look at one or two personalities in scripture and how God views this topic and concept of character. So character truly matters. Character, what? Truly matters. Because many times when we think about influence, we think about the external things, the packaging, the charisma, the, you know, the looks, and all that, habits. But by all means, add character. Because it would guarantee your success as an influencer, as a leader, and it would guarantee your longevity. Praise God. So I want to tell us a story. Um, it was 2000, yeah? So 2000, I was a young... Um, graduate from, from, from the university and I applied to what I would say the best finance and uh, the best accounting and consulting firm in Nigeria at that time. It was called Anderson. Oh, let me be modest because I know there's some Pricewaterhouse people here. <laughs> so, um, so one of the best, not the best, one of the best. So I applied and um, I went through the interviews and all and I was successful. So one of the lucky few who joined, you know, the company. And Anderson was truly a great company, truly a great company. You know, and they would tell you that, oh, you're one of the best in the country, you're one of the privileged to be here, you know. They would, you'd almost brainwashing, you know, you're, you're too much, you're the intelligent ones, and all that, and all that, and all that, and all that. And that was good. You know, this company was truly amazing that your first year, after the first year in the company, they would fly all first year, um, all first year employees from all over the country while I was there. They flew all of us, first year employees across the world to the Netherlands to just celebrate, network, get to meet your privileged colleagues across the world. <laughs> you know, two weeks training, just, you know, it was so much fun. You know, at that time, I had never traveled. So when they said, oh, you need a passport and all that, in my mind then, I actually thought of a passport photograph. <laughs> I'm not kidding you. I'm not kidding you. It was when our logistics person, maybe a month, no, a week or two to travel, said, oh, God, I haven't gotten your passport and I need to process your visa. I'm like, ah, passport. <laughs> he says, no, Nigerian passport. I'm like, I don't have that. He says, if I don't get it today or tomorrow latest, you are not going on this trip. I was in my NYC uniform. I ran like to the nearest immigration center. So my first Nigerian passport, I'm in my NYC uniform. Like, <laughs> that was how I took the passport photograph, got the passport and, you know, gave it to them. Yeah, but this story is not so much about me, but I'm just trying to tell you how awesome the company was. The company that would say, you, know, you need clothing allowance, you need taxi allowance, because we don't want to see you in buses before you buy your car. That kind of, you know, pride. <laughs> pride, you know. So, but anyways, this company, such a great and amazing company, I finished first year, and then by the beginning of my second year, we started hearing that um, our firm, the firm in the U.S., was struggling that a Fortune 500 company called Aaron, an oil and gas company then, you know, had been indicted by the US SEC for false records 
and was actually bankrupt. So Aaron had been hiding losses in a company that they were not disclosing. So when they issued financials that my company, Anderson, was signing off, you know, those financials were found to be false. And court of law found us complacent. I mean, to cut a long story short, um, we were slammed criminal charges. That's my accounting firm, the firm I worked for. So for that, at that time, Anderson was about 80 years old. So it wasn't a young company, 80 years old. And so across the world, our clients started leaving us one after another. In three months, we no longer existed. So the word was, for every Anderson company, wherever you are across the world, look out for yourself. If you find another company to buy you up, all good. If you don't find, dissolve. And so, after one year of celebration, feeling like we're too much, we're the best, we were literally, for those of us here in Nigeria, out of work. For the first time, I saw my partners pray. <laughs> we would gather, we had a kitchenette where we all used to have lunch, a really big you know, hall where we'd go for lunch. We would gather one hour every morning. Partners that I didn't know were spiritual would invite everyone in the firm. We would go there and we would pray. We would pray, God, make a way. Ah, what? We talked to Deloitte, buy us. Mm -mm. You know, when we were celebrating at the day, okay, we said, would we become a local firm and name it after our leading partners then? It didn't work. We were praying. Until finally we got the KPMG license. So for those who are in KPMG now, I don't know the history. That's the history. You know, we finally got the KPMG license and our jobs were saved. But why have I gone through this story? I'm trying to highlight to you how that character is critical to survival and longevity as a person. I had partners who were charismatic. I had partners who knew their stuff. And I'm sure probably in that Aaron case, they were trying to be you know, smart and brilliant. And you know, it could be anything but that. You know. But if it was charisma, we had it. But today, we no longer exist. Because at some point, there seemed to be a dent in character and integrity. And so when we speak about influence, it's important that we understand that character is non-negotiable. As you climb the success ladder, as you build that global business, as you build that C-suite career, you know, do not negotiate your character. Have your charisma, but don't negotiate character. It's integrity. And so I want us to, you know, go through the lesson, a lesson from someone in the Bible. A lesson from someone in the Bible so that we begin to, to see how that God is interested, not just in your success, but also building the character that will support this success that he's bringing you into. And that person is Joseph. We'll look at the life of Joseph. Um, could we open to Genesis 37? Genesis 37, 3. We read a few verses there. Genesis 37, verses 3 to 11. I'll be reading from the New King James Version. Okay? So it says, Now Israel loved Joseph more than all his children, because he was the son of his old age. Also, he made him a tunic of many colors. But when his brothers saw that their father loved him more than all his brothers, they hated him and could not and could not speak peaceably to him. Now Joseph had a dream, and he told it to his brothers, and they hated him even more. So he said to them, Please hear this dream which I have dreamed. They, there we were, binding sheaves in the field. Then behold, my sheave arose and also stood upright. And indeed, your sheaves stood all around and bowed down to my sheave. And his brothers said to him, Shall you indeed reign over us? Or shall you indeed have dominion over us? So they hated him even more for his dreams and for his words. Verse 9. Then he dreamed still another dream and told it to his brothers and said, Look, I have dreamed another dream. And this time the sun, the moon, and the, star, and the eleven stars bowed down to me. So he told it to his father and his brothers, and his father rebuked him and said to him, What is this dream that you have dreamed? Shall your mother and I and your brothers indeed come to bow down to the earth before you? And his brother envied him, but his father kept the matter in mind. Praise God. 
Now, aside from Jesus, Joseph is most likely the, the strongest example of godly character and integrity we see in Scripture. The story of Joseph is captured from Genesis 37 to 50. So if you really want to just study this character a bit more, I really encourage you to do so. You know, because the story of Joseph is truly, truly amazing. So he was the 11th son of Jacob. He was the first child of Rachel, the wife that Jacob loved so much and worked 14 years for. So the first seven years, he thought he was working for her. He was cheated. So they said another seven years. And he went ahead to work for her. Seven years in addition. So 14 in all. And so this was Joseph, the first child of this woman that Jacob loved so much. And so scripture records that Jacob indeed loved him more than his brothers. But I guess that was no fault of his, right? That was no fault of his. But his brothers hated him. But when we look at Joseph's life, there are a number of things that I want to point out that we, we, we need to learn. So from the word go, Joseph had clarity. At age 17, he was already dreaming dreams. Dreams that were not of his own making. Dreams that God actually gave to him. He was clear about what he thought God was going to do in his life. He wasn't clear about how he would get there though. So he knew that in some form or fashion, he would be a leader. He would be a successful person. Because he would see in his context, sheaves, you know, he's standing and others bowing to him. So he knew that he was going to be a leader. He just didn't know how that was going to happen. And isn't that the story of some of us here? Isn't that? We have a feel or an inkling as to what God is calling us to. But the full picture is not clear. It's as if God has given us pieces of the puzzle. Take, have this. This is my intention and plan for you. But you don't know how that will come to pass. Joseph didn't. But my encouragement to someone here is that even when you know and the pathway isn't clear, hold on to the heart of God. If he promises he's able and he's faithful to take you there, regardless of how the turns and the curves of life show up to you, he's able and he's faithful to take you there. And that was the story of Joseph. Clear that he was going to lead. Clear that in some form or fashion he was going to be successful. But how he would get there, he didn't know. The story of his life. Another thing to learn from Joseph was he was both hated and loved. Can you imagine? Loved intensely by his father. Hated intensely by his brother. In the same family. Isn't that the story of Jesus too? So as I thought about this, it, it occurred to me that, you know, that in this journey of, of, of being a person, of being an influ influencer, in this journey of destiny, in this journey of life, you truly cannot please all. So it's about time you reset and understand that as long as my way is pleasing before God, Scripture says I will make even your enemies to be at peace with you. Make pleasing God the goal. Because the journey of trying to please every man is one you cannot win. So, stop trying. Stop trying. Because Joseph, in the innocence of his heart, would share his dreams with people he would call family. Yet, they what? Hated him intensely. So, stop trying. Because in the journey of destiny, if you try to please if you try to be in the good books of everyone, you pretty much may not get to where God has designed you to be. Amen. Praise God. So focus on pleasing God. Another thing I want to point out of, point, point out of Joseph's life is that he was truly a man of love. Joseph was a man of love. The Bible will describe in, in Genesis 37 that his father will call Joseph. Joseph, come, 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 come. Your elder brothers are somewhere tending flock. They're in Shechem, tending flock. Would you go to Shechem and check how they're doing? Probably take supplies along with you. Just make sure your brothers are fine. And Joseph, very excited, full of love, started the journey to look for his brothers. And Joseph gets to Shechem. And he's wandering, because he's, he's wandering around because his brothers are no longer in Shechem. 
And while he's in Shechem looking for his brothers, he meets a man who tells him, I heard your brothers say they're going to Dotan. You should probably try to go to Dotan if you want to see them. Now, Joseph had the option of turning back and saying, Daddy, ah, I beg, I went to Shechem. They are not there. They are not there. When I studied this, the distance between Shechem and Jotham was about 21 kilometers, half a marathon, 13 miles, sir. It is not a short distance. But Joseph undertook it upon himself to go further to look for his brothers. Influence is impossible without love, sir. Because love will push you to go the extra mile. Love for the organization you work for. Love for the business entrusted in your hands. Love for God's people, ma. If love, if you will not be a person of love, you truly cannot be a person of influence. Joseph would, he could have come back. Daddy, all obligations fulfilled. I went to Shechem, they're not there. Can I continue? No. But on his own, I'm going to Dotan. 21 kilometers. I'm going to look for my brothers. I want to find out how they are doing. Love is a catalyst for influence. Make no mistakes about it. Make no mistakes about it. Because for everyone who you, who you would look at and admire and, 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 has, and is doing things that are making you feel like you are under their influence, they are operating many times out of love. Jesus would give his life first for us. And that is why we are ready to die for the gospel. First John will say, we loved you first. We love you because you first what? Loved us. Love is a catalyst for influence. In business, in career, in your work with God, love will make you do the extra. Love will make you go the extra mile. Praise God. And so Joseph gets to Dotan where his brothers are. In the purity of his heart, in the love of his heart, probably trekked one day to get there, sweaty and tired. He gets there. And as he's coming, his brothers see him and say, Ah! Yes, 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 yes. That is the brother that we hate coming. And I'm sure Joseph was oblivious of the thoughts that were going on in, it, in their minds. They're like, this is our opportunity to be done with this dreamer. This is our opportunity to be done with this young man who thinks he's better than us. And Joseph, we know he didn't think that, right? He was just sharing a dream. And so Joseph, happy, maybe carrying supplies. Ah, I can see my brother afar off. You know, he's going. He's going. Not understanding that something is about to happen. You see, when God would set you up for success, Ma, he would set you for character development. Because Jesus had to go, I mean, Joseph had to go through some schools. Some schools, ma. Some schools, sir. So that this success would, would be able to stand. I had a friend tell me that she bought this lovely marble uh, kitchen top. Marble, strong, Italian. But once they laid it on her cabinet, it crumbled. Because the cabinets could not carry the weight of this Italian marble plant. Uh, Italian marble kitchen, whatever. So the first thing to do wasn't to fix the marble. It was to fix what? Fix the structure, the wooden structure that would carry the marble. When God would give Joseph a dream, he didn't know how far. Do you think Joseph thought that he was going to be the number two person across the world in a country that was different from his, an Israelite? Second to no one but Pharaoh? Did you think that he dreamt or imagined that far? No. But you see, how far God is taking you determines the schools he will pass you through. And the first school Joseph had to pass through was the school of Pitts. The young man gets to his brothers, happy and excited that he has found them. I have been coming the extra 21 kilometers to look for you guys. And when he gets there, they strip him off. I'm sure he's going, what's happening? What's happening? What's happening? They strip him off. You wicked dreamer. Dream, dream what? We will see how this dream will be actualized. They take him and they throw him into the school of pits. Jesus. Into the school of pits. Hmm. Hmm. The school of pits. 
because he was joyfully taking supplies to his brothers. And there the journey of Joseph's life begins. You know, when I was growing up, one of the houses we lived in, we had a well. Um, I mean, maybe wells are not common now, but we had a well that sometimes we would fetch water from, sometimes. You know, so when that well is, during the rainy season, when it's full of water, it's hard to appreciate the depth. But I still remember times during the dry season when we just climb and look at them like, oh my God, this is scary. This thing is deep. <laughs> and myself and my siblings will play about, should I throw you inside? Like, you, nobody will hear you. You will just, you know, we just weird, crazy thoughts. God, thank God we didn't actualize those things. You know? But think about a pit. And Bible describes in Genesis 37 how that pit was in the wilderness. It was dark and there was no water in it. I'm, 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 I'm going through this quickly, but I encourage you to go and read scripture so you know that I'm not making this up. That was the pit they threw Joseph in. And as Joseph was landing, I don't know how many feet he was saying, there goes the dream. Jesus, there goes the dream, my father. I thought I was to, I don't know how, but I thought I saw myself standing and my conscience standing and my brothers and fathers buying down to me. I thought I saw that. But there goes the dream. Number one school that God will pass Joseph through. And while he's there, out of just, this, just the design of God, because they meant to kill him, they see uh, Ishmaelites, you know, traveling by. And thanks to Reuben, who said, oh, don't kill him, you know, and all of that, they see Ishmaelites traveling by. And they say, you know what? Let's sell this Joseph, Joe, and go and tell our father that animals, wild animals have killed him. And there and then, they sold Joseph sold him for 20 shekels of silver. And this is a young man, the lineage of Jacob, the patriot. How does that happen? Think about it. In one day, his life has turned, what, 360 degrees. In one day, a free man became a slave. In one day, royalty, because Joseph was from the lineage of Jacob, royalty, became what? A slave. In one day, an Israelite changed location to what? Egypt, the capital of the world at that time. And there, God would issue, would bring Joseph to his second school, the school of Potiphar. The school of Potiphar. Three schools Joseph went through. The school of Potiphar. The school of Pitts, and now the school of Potiphar. And when we look at Genesis 39, 7 to 12, or the whole of Genesis 39, we would see how Joseph would embrace his reality with joy. Bible says that there was something about this Joseph that Potiphar took notice of. Now, Potiphar in that time was the captain of the guards. And as captain of the guards, you can think that he was the commander-in-chief of the armed forces. That's what I would describe his title to in current-day Nigeria. Commander-in-chief of the armed forces. That's pretty high. But he discovered that there was something about Joseph. There was the favor of God upon his life that he put Joseph ahead of everyone in his house. Influence doesn't respect age, ma. This Joseph was a teenager. This Joseph was a teenager. But there was something of, of, that, that a very important and busy man would see and recognize and say, there's something about you. I put you in charge and overseer of everything and everyone in my house. And Joseph would take on his new identity with joy. He was still in the school of God. And I can imagine every time he's saying, but God, how is this like what I dreamt? How is this like the purpose that I thought that I had? The school of Potiphar. And as if it wasn't enough, he was being blessed, probably getting used to his new reality. I'm like, at least I'm blessed. They noticed there's something about me. Maybe this is where my leadership skills will shine. You know, after all, I'm now young teenager like me. I'm still a child. I mean, I'm the one heading the household of the commander-in-chief of the army of the greatest country or, or kingdom in the world at that time, Egypt. That is something to be proud about, isn't it? But as if it wasn't enough, there comes God saying, mm -mm, the school is still on, sir. The curriculum is still rolling. It's not over yet. Because we are taking you to. <laughs> you need some, uh, some grounding in character. Some grounding in integrity. Some grounding. And there, Potiphar's wife would notice Joseph. So I want to speak to the Bible describes Joseph as comely and handsome. For the young ladies here, please, 
when that young and handsome person comes, like a Joseph, please make sure he has the character of the Joseph too. Please make sure. Joseph was fine, handsome, but he was also a man of intense character. And so when, Joseph, when Potiphar's wife would say, lie with me, she didn't ask him once. Bible describes her, she asked him day after day, day after day. Continuous pressure. Pressure to do wrong. And you know he could have done it and Potiphar, would have not, Potiphar wouldn't know. Because he had made Joseph what? Overseer of his household. But Joseph said, I cannot do this wickedness to God and to the man who has given me control over everything in this house but you. And he chose to run. And he chose to run. You see, the foundation matters, sir. Because when you would see a skyscraper standing tall, it's not because of the roof. It's not because of the fancy windows. It's because of that foundation. Think about those buildings, lovely buildings on, on uh, Adjusto Adogo. I think of the next one. You know, think about those skyscrapers. A skyscraper stands tall, not because of its, of its fancy Italian windows or, you know, German roof, whatever it is. It's because of what? The foundation. When you speak to builders, sometimes the cost of building a foundation is as much. And depending on the terrain, sometimes even more than the cost of setting up that building. Because if the foundation be destroyed, what can the righteous do? We are talking about being people of influence and of character. Your foundation matters because it guarantees your longevity. It guarantees your longevity. And when God will look at Joseph, he will say, this is not enough. School of Pete, school of Potiphar. There's still one more school. Because the curriculum of God is, I will not give you success that will destroy you. I won't give you success that will make you ashamed to the kingdom and to yourself. And so I will set your foundation right so that the success I give you can carry it. And from the school of Potiphar, Joseph will learn in the school of what? Prisons. The third school, the school of prisons. The school of prisons. Again, in that school, there's just something about this guy, right? <laughs> the, the warden will see him and say, hmm, there's something about you. I don't know what it is. And this was Joseph going through everything that didn't look like where he thought his purpose was. This was Joseph going through all of that. And in that place, he met the butler, he met the, met the, um, met the baker. And in that place, he would show love to notice when the butler was looking sad. And because when you walk in love, there's an activation of the gift of God upon your life. Joseph will be able to interpret a dream. And he will ask the butler, when you get to the palace, remember me. Alas, two years, the curriculum was still running. God said, you have not finished learning. Because where I'm taking you to, I'm sure you never even imagined. And two years will go by before the butler will remember that there was a young man who, who, who interpreted my dream. Oh, King Pharaoh, let's call for that young man. And that was where the story turned around. Between when Joseph had that dream, 17 years of age he was, when he ascended as number two person, second only to Pharaoh, he was 30 years old. 13 years of the school of hard knocks. 13 years of the school of character building. Because how high you go determines how deep that foundation should be. How high you go determines how deep that foundation should be. An elephant, an African bush elephant, the gestation period is 22 months, ma. 22 months. From, con from conception to delivery, 22 months. For a human being, 9 months. For a chicken, 21 days. So is your dream chicken size or elephant size? Is your dream chicken size or elephant size? Because... How far you want to go determines how deep you are digging this foundation so that that success is long. That success has character. That success, that success would stand and would bring you down. And that is the story of Joseph. And that is why 1 James 2.8 will say, My brethren, count it all joy when you fall into various trials, knowing that the testing of your faith produces what? Patience. But let patience have its perfect work, that you may be perfect and complete, lacking nothing. That is God's design and plan for you. He wants you to be successful. 
So I speak to that person who is going through her school or his school of pits, of, of Potiphar, and of prison, and thinking, something is wrong. Maybe they're after me. Could you see differently? Because how you, how you see determines what you see. How you see determines what you see. Could you see differently? Because Joseph will remain boisterous. He will remain trusting God regardless of the circumstance and, and story of his life. Contrast the life of Joseph with Samson. Contrast. Samson had the hand of God upon his life like Joseph did. Samson was, in fact, before he was born, the, the blueprint for his life had been given to his parents. How awesome is that? So while some of us are trying to say, God, what's my purpose? Samson was born very clear about what he was supposed to do. Yet, with all that power, with all that promise and grace of God over his life, his story was short. So when we talk about building a legacy, building, being an influencer, are you going for the long haul? Or are you going for a short sprint? You see, when I run 5Ks, I don't have to eat. Five kilometers, a short sprint. I don't have to eat. I can wake up and say, 5K, let's do it. But if I want to run a marathon, I start eating five days before. And I start eating carbohydrates. Because you need the glycogen levels and the energy levels to be built up, ready to run 42 kilometers, 26 miles. And so I ask you, when we talk about character, it's not, it's not negotiable if you want to go far. Because Samson was tempted with women just like Joseph was, and he fell flat. And Delilah will be the end of the calling and grace and wisdom and everything God intended for him. Yet Joseph would live on from 30. To, to be a man of legacy who brought the Israelites into the land of Egypt and who would raise up his legs at old age and bless his children, Manasseh and Ephraim, who his father would bless and speak of Joseph so highly in Genesis. Because God is never short-term-minded. God is never short-term-minded. God is never short-term-minded. And God looks at the heart. He looks at the heart. He wants you to be successful. But that success is for a, he wants it for a long time, for a long time. And so he would, he would walk with you, walk in you to build the character structures that are necessary to hold up, to hold up, that would hold up because of where he's taking you to. Because of where he's taking you to. Praise God. I want us really to look at, talk about David, and we will wrap up, because I, I think God has sent me here to, to bring encouragement, encouragement to somebody. In First Psalm 16, verses 6 to 7, this was Samuel, First Samuel 16, verses 6 to 7, Samuel was sent by God to go and anoint the next king of Israel. And he would go and he would look at the household of Jesse. That's where he was sent. And he would say, bring out the young men. Uh -uh. And the young, able-bodied men were coming out. Young, able-bodied men were coming out. And in verse 6, let's read verse 6. It says, so it was when they came that he looked at Eliab and said, surely, this was some of the prophet who's supposed to be hearing from God. He too was carried away. He says, surely, mm. This is the Lord's anointed. The Lord's anointed is before him. But the Lord said, you know, stop. Said to Samuel, do not look at his appearance or at his physical stature because I have refused him. For the Lord does not see as man sees. For man looks at the outward appearance, but the Lord looks at the heart. The Lord looks at the heart. The Lord looks at the heart. God's testimony about David was that he was a man of character. When we see the external, God is seeing something deeper. He's seeing the heart. Because that heart will sustain the success. 
David was, a, was of course a great man, a great king over Israel. One that we would reference, one through whom the lineage of Jesus would come through. In Psalm 78 verse 72, you know, scripture would describe David. It says, and he shepherded Israel according to the integrity of his heart and guided them by the skillfulness of his hand. So I want to ask you, where is your heart? Because your heart is the critical ingredient for success. You know how when you're preparing a pot of soup, you, they're just very fancy ingredients. The vegetables, the meat, the, you know, the seafood, everything. And it looks all so set. Sometimes I see character as that salt. It may look inconsequential in the scheme of things. But that dish never comes together until you've added what? Salt. That is what character is. And so I speak to us as we end this year and as we begin to think about 2019. Where is your heart? Success is, your success is as important to God as it is to you. But the foundation must be sure. Could we stand to our feet? I have come, when I was thinking and praying about this, I felt like God wanted us to pray for two sets of people. And I want you to start praying. Start responding to God. If you don't even know what to say, it's a good time to just pray in the spirit. It's a good time to just pray in the spirit. Masanda libra kashanda. Because you are going far. Masanda libra But there are schools of character development that you must pass through. In the curriculum of God, it's not negotiable. Because the, the success it thinks for for you is one that leaves a legacy. And not one that is, you know, short-term or short-lived. So I wanted to speak to somebody who feels like I'm in that place where I'm between, I'm between the rock and the hard place. I don't know what is going on. Because Joseph would have felt same. Like, God, I don't know what is going on. I'm doing everything right, yet I'm moving from one calamity as it were to another. And that was how he, he may have thought. I've come to speak to that person who, who, who feels like everything seems to be closing in. And God is saying, I need you to see differently. Because where I'm taking you to, I need to build your roots. You need to take root downwards. You need to take root downwards. Because a skyscraper is sustained by the foundation. And if the foundation be destroyed, what can the righteous do? You need to build that foundation of character. I've come to speak to that person and encourage you. God doesn't hate you. He loves you. And that is why he's trying to establish your longevity. And that's why he's taking you from one lesson to another. From the school of Pitts, as it were. To the school of Potiphar. To the school of prisons before the palace. Would you stay with God? Would you respect the process and trust the seasons of God over your life? Would you not truncate with your hand what God is trying to build? Because Joseph could have checked out. He could have checked out. But in every place he went, he carried the joy. He carried the excellence of God. He carried the favor of God. He walked as he would walk as unto God. He served like a slave when he was born royalty. He would serve and go through every season of his life. Even though it didn't look like the dreams and purposes he had seen earlier on. And the very fact that he stayed the course guaranteed that he got to his destination. Would you stay the course? Would you respect the processes and seasons of God over your life? There's a planting time, sir. And there's a time when you would reap. What season are you currently in? What is God teaching you? Would you be sensitive? David will refuse to take the kingdom before it was time. He had opportunity to kill Saul, but he says, I will not take shortcuts to my success. Who is choosing to take a short course? I've come because of you. Refuse the shortcuts. Refuse the shortcuts. Because the God you serve is able to carry you far. Stay with God. Stay with him. Stay with him. 
And for that person who feels like you have taken a shortcut, can you ask God for mercy? You, you look at it and you think, I have not represented God right in this, in this instance. And you stand before God who sees. And you can justify it. But you see, the standards of God are clear. That is why the Bible speaks about the word has been immovable. Heaven and earth will pass away. But God's standards are never reduced by the environmental conditions we experience. And so we may look like we're in a country where ethics, where integrity, where character is not on the front burner. But it hasn't changed the standards of God, sir. Ma. It hasn't. And it will never. But God promises that when you go through those tough times, I will be with you. When you go through the hard place, I will be there with you. Romans 3 verse 5, Romans 5 verse 3 would say, and it says, and not only that, but we should glory in our tribulations, knowing that tribulations will produce perseverance, and perseverance character, and character hope. And in verse 5 it says, now hope does not disappoint. Your hope in God, your trust in God will not be disappointed. Your hope and your trust in God will not be disappointed. Stay the course. Stay the course. Stay the course. He's looking for godly offspring. He's looking for men and women who would show for the fruit of the spirit. Of love, of joy, of peace, of long-suffering, of kindness, of goodness, of faithfulness. He's looking for you and I. Father, we give you thanks. Father, we exalt you. Thank you for listening to a message from the LifePoint Church. To download more free messages, please visit www.soundcloud.com forward slash LifePointNG.